The Start On Demand. On demand. Six eighty CJOB and Global News have launched a two-week series on health, specifically mental health. And today's feature from Skylar Peters focused on physical activity and the benefits it has on our mental wellness. Speaking of physical activity, did you happen to watch the football games over the weekend? Four crazy games in the NFL, including Sunday night's game between Buffalo and Kansas City, which will go down in history as one of the greatest games of all time. So Bob Irving joined us for our weekly sports chat, and he tells us why he hates the NFL's overtime rule. And that last football game was nerve-wracking. So that got us having a fun chat about what makes you anxious while you're watching it. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Monday, January 24th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, let's start with that line from that sponsor tag, expect the unexpected, because as I look at the temperature right now, so I just said minus 24 feels like minus 29, but at the airport, it's actually colder. It's minus 31, I believe. I've got like 17 weather apps here on my phone, so I'm just toggling back. Minus 31 feels like minus 42. That's at the airport as per Environment Canada. Uh, but, Loren, I haven't actually looked at the forecast, and I'm usually kind of obsessive about that, even in the winter, which I don't know why, because I can't go golfing. But um, I see now, <laughs> what we're on a roller coaster this week. Well, I was laughing and said, we should just reference this, because Kayla Evans, weather specialist for Global News Morning, puts out an email every day, right, just to let us know where things are heading. And, and she wrote, happy Monday, everyone. Extremely cold to start the week, and then Wednesday is not a mistake. And I was like, what is she talking about? So today you mentioned it's, you know, minus 30 at the airport, feeling more like minus 40. It's going to feel like minus 31 throughout the day. Same with tonight. It's going to be even colder. Tomorrow is going to warm up slightly. And then Wednesday, mix of sun and cloud, chance of flurries, and zero exclamation point. So, you know, I just had to, re- I read that and laughed because I like her little side notes that she gives us, but also just to say like, no, I'm not like, I'm not making a typo and missing the four in front of the zero for Wednesday. It's going to feel like it's going to be like zero. So what a, what a swing, Greg. Well, we didn't get a chance to ask Rick Mercer about this great piece of K- Canadiana television from Rick Mercer report. And some of you might remember that skit of the husband and wife and they're hunkered down and they've got the fire going and the wife is at the computer and she's looking at the uh, at the weather forecast and she says, oh my gosh, minus one. There's a minus one in the forecast. And I think some of us have been under the impression that Environment Canada just throws that bone out there every once in a while so that we don't all collectively get up and leave the country all at once. Um uh, but listen, look at minus 22 overnight on Tuesday, zero during the day at some point on Wednesday, and then minus 19 for an overnight low Wednesday, and then minus 18. Like, for how long exactly is it going to be zero? And what sort of wind are we going to have to deal with? I'm not saying I'm going to, you know, take it back or tell Environment Canada to take the zero back. I just, I'm just curious as to how genuine this reprieve is going to be. 
Yeah, because not to be the the skunk at the picnic here, as Charles Adler used to say, but you mentioned the word, Greg, wind. Um, Looking at one app, looks like on Wednesday, or Tuesday night, pardon me, Tuesday night, we could see south wind gusting up to over 50 kilometers an hour. And then on Wednesday, it looks like it's going to be windy during the day out of the west, up to 50 kilometers an hour. And then it's going to shift to a north wind to bring it back down to that uh, low of minus 19, as you pointed out. So while it's going to warm up, it might not necessarily be the most pleasant. But it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. (laughs) Weather whiplash. That's what that's about right there. So um, we will keep you up to date, of course, on all of your weather forecast information that you require. But as far as what we're feeling right now with that extreme cold... Um, we heard in Jeff Braun's newscast uh, from Global's Marnie Blunt and Loren. She is going to join us live uh, just after 8.45 in Minnesota after the, the tragedy involving four people who died in extreme weather conditions. Yeah, she and a Global News photographer have made the trek south over the weekend in part to sort of try to see and take a look and understand what the journey was like for some of the folks that did make it across. And of course, it was when uh, border officials saw a group of people and spotted a van and then more people walking that they thought, what is going on? And realized this, there had been this group that crossed from Canada to the States and got separated. And that's when they called the Canadian officials and of course made that tragic discovery of the four bodies. And so Global's Marnie Blunt has traveled to Minnesota to, to not only just try to get a sense of, oh, where they were going and what that track might have looked at and the weather conditions, which we all know were extremely cold last week and again this week. But she's going to be in court where an appearance is taking place today for the man accused of human sex smuggling. So many questions. You know, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau over the weekend promised to crack down on human smuggling. And in the States, they're trying to figure out how big of a problem this is. And, and one of the things we still don't know is where were they going? What was the plan? What, where were they headed to? Why were they leaving? So many unknowns right now. But it's it's just such a important story to keep our eyes on because if there's people out there who are trying to help other people cross in these kinds of winter conditions we need to have a conversation about that how desperate are you to want to do that when it's minus 40 greg well look i i'm still perplexed as to how there isn't technology with drone technology and all the different uh motion detectors and different things that that we can have around our homes and and otherwise, in terms of keeping an eye on what's going on, I mean, there's the joke that you can watch your dog run away for days on the prairies. Well, in the middle of the night, you can see a car coming from a long ways away on the open prairie. And I just don't understand how it is we don't have more technology uh, surveilling that that largest undefended border in the world. And, you know, it can be for a variety of reasons, but just for the humanitarian aspect of, of making sure that these people aren't being trafficked and being taken advantage of. Because if they've been dro- driven there, dropped off and picked up on the other side, uh, those people are not doing that out of the goodness of their heart. There is a lot of money changing hands in a scenario like that. And if for nothing else than to catch these people and to put them out of business, I think we should be doing everything we can to make sure that those that people aren't being taken advantage of and uh, being sent across that border uh, with false expectations and, and after paying thousands of dollars to 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 get somewhere that they so badly and desperately want to get to. 
So we'll have more on this story coming up in our next segment. And once again, Marnie is going to join us live on 680 CJOB at 850. And at 645, we want to talk about what makes you anxious when you're watching it. Did you happen to watch that football game last night? I'm, I'm not even the, we all know I'm not a big sports and guy. I enjoy sports, but I'm not a huge sports nut. But I watched that football game last night, Buffalo and Kansas City, and I was a nervous wreck, GMAC. Have you ever seen a game like that? I've not. I mean, the National Football League, uh, typically you can, there's a formula. Once this game gets to that point, and a point spread that's really almost mathematically impossible for teams to come back. But we saw it twice yesterday. Tampa Bay came back from a 27-3 deficit to tie the game. And that game ended on the last play of the game, a field goal from the Rams. They upset the defending Super Bowl champion Buccaneers. And then last night, 25 points scored in the last minute, 54 seconds of regulation time, and then another six points in overtime. I've not ever seen an NFL game like that for sure. CFL game, eh, maybe more likely, but it was incredible drama. I loved every second of it. But right now, we want to talk about the things that make you anxious. And I mentioned it earlier, but if you're just tuning in, I'm not a huge sports fan. I enjoy them. I just don't go out of my way to watch them all that often. But I like to check out the playoff action. And last night's game in the NFL was completely insane. Cameron Poitras, in case you missed his sportscast at 625, you want to just sum up what happened in that game last night with Buffalo versus Kansas City? Well, it was complete, absolute, abject pandemonium. There was 25 points combined scored between the two teams in the final two minutes. 13 seconds left. Josh Allen finds Gabriel Davis in the end zone. You're like, the game's over. It's finished. There's nothing's going to happen. It's it's totally done. Patrick Mahomes, th- two quick strikes. Travis Kelsey, big catch. Field goal, overtime, coin toss, NFL overtime nonsense. Bills can't <laughs> respond. Uh, Chiefs score uh, uh, with no doubt in anyone's mind. It's like they're going to win this game on a touchdown. They did. Travis Kelsey catches it, and it was unfrickin' believable. <laughs> it was a. I was a nervous wreck. I was screaming oh, and was... yelling. It was crazy. So, what makes you anxious when you watch it? Does it? Is it sports? Is it scary movies? And if you got a story about that, 204-780-6868. San Lucia Pizza, $20 gift card up for grabs. And, uh, well, Poitras, let's start with you. What makes you anxious when you watch it? <laughs> uh, well, sports. Um, uh, that game yesterday was absolutely crazy. All the all the teams I cheered for, it's very rare now in, in my married life uh, that I can sit down and watch three sports games. And I, I watched uh, the Jets play the Penguins. Yesterday, I watched uh, the Buccaneers and the Rams and then, of course, the Bills and uh, the Chiefs and every team I was cheering for lost. (laughs) Uh, But uh, (laughs) uh, they were all actually great games. uh, But, oh, God, I was just my heart was pumping. And also TV, you know, like uh, we just finished the I won't spoil anything, but we we just finished uh, the second season of Succession and uh, the end of the second season. We're just moving on to the third was uh, that one was real nervous and got your heart pounding, too. So. Uh, yeah, it's uh, TV, but uh, by far mostly sports. Jeff Braun? Mine's also sports related, but different sports, and they're gymnastics and figure skating. And I like, 
I would like to watch those, you know, during the Olympics because they're big deals. But when they wipe out in those sports, it is so heartbreaking to watch just the pain and anguish on the athletes' faces that I, I just can't stand it. And I don't enjoy it before they wipe out. And they usually don't wipe out. But the whole time I'm just sitting there, I was like, oh, my God, don't wipe out, don't wipe out, don't wipe out, don't wipe out. And it's just not fun for me at all. So I can't watch it. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Forte, what about you? For me, it's those stupid internet videos you People who are daredevils and they're on top of skyscrapers oh, on the very oh, edge yes. and they're jumping from ledge to ledge. And there's one guy jumping from ledge to ledge and he misses the last ledge. But luckily there was a wire there that he grabbed. And it's like, God, how can you be so stupid? Why? <laughs> Why? It just... Oh, my hands are all sweaty right now thinking about it. It's funny you mention that, Forte, because I follow a bunch of accounts. Like uh, on Instagram, I follow one account called Morons Doing Things. And uh, it's all people hurting themselves because they're morons. And every video I watch and I'm like, uh, do I want to see what's about to happen here? <laughs> so I don't know why I do it. Loren, what about you? Well, the funny part about watching the Olympics, Braun, is that you don't know anything about, like, I don't know anything about figure skating or gymnastics, and then I'll be yelling, stick yeah. it, stick it. <laughs> oh, it's triple sow cow. Like, what the heck is that? I have no idea, All... but I'm an expert for two weeks. Exactly. We instantly just become masters of, you know, watching it up. It's like, why am I not their coach? I find myself stressed. <laughs> Obviously, sports is hard, but I like vo shows like The Voice, um, singing competitions, different things like that. And I feel so like when they're not picked, even though they they could be terrible, I always feel so badly for them. And then if they have like a loved one in the audience and the mom's sitting there like, come on, please pick my kid. And you're like, pick their kid. She's terrible, but I feel terrible for her not getting picked. And so I, I don't know why I watch because I've been so upset at times just on behalf of them, even if they did suck. So I, those, those stress me out. Oh, yeah. It, uh, some of those, those are so cringy that, like, I just feel cringy just watching it. And it's just so hard. Mackling? Well, we crave this stuff, right? The roller coaster ride, the emotion, the up and down. And, and you know, Braun, you mentioned the Olympics. When you miss, say, you miss your dismount or you know, you fall in the 400 or something crazy like that. Like that's four years of your life. One race, oh, one competition brutal. comes down to one single moment that you've been preparing for for so, so long. So it's heartbreaking on that front. While the Jets were in the shootout in an overtime against Pittsburgh yesterday afternoon, I was balancing that on the TV at the Stonewall Curling Club and my boys Going into an extra end in their curling match yesterday, they got four in the last end to tie things up, which was absolutely exciting. And then they ended up losing uh, on the last rock in an extra end yesterday. And it just, the, you know, my dad says payback is a you know what, because I know I put my dad through so much stress over the years. I'm getting it back now as a dad. Here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868. What makes you anxious when you watch it? If you've got a story to accompany that, that's great. But don't just tell us why, what makes you anxious, but if you can explain why. 204-780-6868, $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza, which we will give away just after 9.15. Now, the Global News and CJOB Health Series, presented by Body Measure. Today, we begin a Global News and 680 CJOB series on health, specifically 
Mental health. Now is the time of year when lots of folks are feeling the blues. And so you throw in an ongoing pandemic into the mix and we all know it can feel downright depressing. In fact, just this morning, in the last half hour, Angus Reid put out poll results, Greg, showing one in three Canadians are feeling that they're struggling with their mental health. That number is even higher in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, 39% struggling here on the prairies, and then 23% saying they're depressed. Yeah, it's a huge number, Loren, but as our Skylar Peters explains, making an effort to move your body is easier than you might think, and the positive mental effects are massive. If this routine sounds familiar to you, you're not alone. We live in a world where most of our life is lived within the same four walls. Our homes have become our recreational space, our office, our classroom, our gym. And when you throw a cold Canadian winter into the mix, it can be tough to break out of that funk. Dave Jaquetta knows that feeling well. He's the founder of The Therapy Effect, a wellness and mindset coach, but he's also just a guy. And he remembers how it felt when his familiar routine was stripped away from him. I was very kind of standoffish and I thought, you know, oh, I don't have that, that gym anymore, so I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. It may not come as a surprise to you that a recent Leger survey found two of every three Canadians believe the country's collective mental health is worse now than it was before the pandemic. It wasn't always this way. A 2020 Belgian study showed most people actually made a concerted effort during the first few months of pandemic-related lockdowns to maintain the same lifestyle they had before they knew about COVID-19. Many people already know physical health is key to maintaining mental well-being, but dealing with what we once thought would be a short-term interruption for nearly two years now challenges even the most consistent. For people like Todd Duhamel, going to the gym has never been his cup of tea. And the University of Manitoba kinesiology professor says his physical wellness doesn't involve a gym membership, treadmills, or dumbbells. What I do like to do is, is walking outside with my kids or standing at the hockey arena while I coach or skating on the ice, teaching kids how to shoot pucks. And no matter what that activity was, there's likely a part of it that's overlooked. They all come with this community aspect. And really for us from a psychology standpoint is, is vital to our mental health to be able to have that feeling of connection. Now that Jaquetta says that, it's understandable how the Belgian study found people were more likely to stick to a routine of physical activity when doing it alongside their partner or a family member or with the help of an online tool like a Fitbit. And Duhamel says that's just one of the things we're missing out on when we traded our offices for our dens and dining room tables. We actually don't even get up and, and walk to our cars and drive in, or we don't walk to the coffee shop to get a coffee in the middle of the day like we used to. Those small bouts of exercise were actually really beneficial to people. You can nail it all down to a certain protein that we're likely not getting enough of. As you move your muscles, you release these hormones. It crosses into your brain and actually releases something we call brain-derived neutrophic factor, BDNF. That actually shows that you um, can improve learning faster if you're moving. When we think of moving our muscles, we might think that means huffing and puffing, vigorous exercise. But that's not the case. 
Those little micro workouts used to be all it took to bring us better physical and mental health. And Jaquetta says that hasn't changed. I developed this appreciation for just moving my body instead of the frequency, intensity, and the weights. Find a friend, we'll do something that you love to do, and that'll be a good start. Now we know that getting started doesn't mean having to make a big shift, but it could result in one. Going for that 10 to 15 minute walk, um, maybe that builds up into something else over time. And, and it leads into you wanting to experience another leisure and exercise opportunity. And if you like what you do, scheduling it regularly can help bring some of that structure back to your day. One of the hardest things for me to do was tell myself when I'm going to be working out, when I'm going to be working and when I'm going to be doing, you know, my personal things. What really I was missing, what a lot of people are missing is that that stimulus change. And as we all collectively eagerly a way to life beyond a pandemic, Duhamel believes what we do today may shape what those years look like. We got to think about our long-term health. By moving more now, by going outside and being active in small groups, we're actually probably preventing heart disease, mental health issues, cancers, and things like that later on. It can make a positive impact now. It can make a positive impact later. And it's easy to start. Sounds like it's worth a shot. For the 2022 Health Series, I'm Skylar Peters. So Skyler's getting out of the house there, I think. What's that? Sounds like Skyler's determined to get out of the house. Backed <laughs> up his bags and got out of the house. So, you know, it, it's been difficult, to, especially with this cold, cold weather. Right, Brett? And I saw your picture on uh, Instagram yesterday. You do a really good job of making sure you get those micro exercises, either just for your own mental health or for transportation. Well, it's, yeah, you're right, for transportation to the point where I actually forgot to renew my driver's license and my due date was on Saturday, but I I, I almost never drive, so it wasn't even close to being top of mind, so I think I'll probably have to deal with a late fee or something for that today. But, yeah, I, I walk almost everywhere. I drive my car maybe once a week. And even when I'm, you know, kind of tired or lazy, just want to lounge around on the couch on the weekend. I, on Saturday, I thought, nope, got to get up um, and get that walk in. And then the sun ended up coming out. It was cloudy when I when I left, but by the, by the halfway point, the sun came out. So it's important for me to get that sunshine to keep my body moving. I always feel better. And as I've said before, um, i seem to prefer the winter walks the the sound of the snow crunching under my feet makes me happy yesterday in particular was a lovely day because it wasn't that windy and the snow was falling so it was super relaxing and uh even though my beard had completely frosted over to the point where i had chunks of ice that i could that were stuck in my beard i couldn't even pull them out i just had to wait until they melted off uh but uh yeah i went for a long walk saturday long walk yesterday loren and um, even though i was kind of lazy before I felt a thousand times better after I got home. This is the thing. We all know that. You always feel better when you go for the walk or you go for the run or you take 20 minutes to do some stretching or your yoga. You always feel better in the middle of it or at the end of it or after when you look back. It's just starting it, getting the heck out the door like Skylar did. That's where I'm stuck right now. I always think I should do such and such today. And then I don't. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta put one foot in front of the other, I guess. So the global news and 680 CJOB health series will continue for the next two weeks. It is presented by our friends at Body Measure. 
Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we're asking you at 204-780-6868, what makes you anxious when you watch it? Like that football game last night, Kansas City versus Buffalo, was one of the craziest finishes maybe ever. And uh, Kristen with a great one here that made me remember a whole bunch of stuff. Kristen says, sports? Bah! Have none of you experienced the nail-biting agony of a nature documentary? Yes. Will that baby sea turtle make it to the water? Is that baby going to get swept downstream? (laughs) Will the penguin hatch an egg? And this reminds me, there is a scene in, I think it's Planet Earth 2, I don't remember where it is, but there's this little lizard that pokes it, pops its head out, and they even used, like, scary music as this thing has to make a run for it to try to escape all these snakes chasing it. It's one oh, of the no. most agonizing things I've ever watched, Loren. I watched with the kids on the weekend twice over a turtle stuck on his back, and he's trying to flip over. Like, he's just in a... They put music with it. He's like, just, if I just if I just reach like this, I'm going to throw my leg over. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, can I get some help? Like, And I was like, this is the best. Like, It was a two and a half minute journey for this turtle to finally flip over. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, you find yourself stressed for a little guy. That's a tough position to be in, let alone being chased by snakes if you're a lizard. So I get it. Plus, it's always with some great voice, Greg, like, the lonely lizard pokes his head out. Is it safe? Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom was one of my favorite shows growing up. (laughs) It was outstanding. And uh, yes, the drama was unmistakable. You may have seen in the last week or so, it's from 2017, but it's going viral on Twitter right now. A penguin that's on all by himself on a, or herself on a little bit of a ice flow, gets separated from the pack or the flock and has to jump across the water in order to get back with everyone. It's quite dramatic. And uh, people are loving that right now because it has a happy ending. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, last half hour, we began the Global News and 680 CJOB Health Series focusing on mental health. And that's our question of the day at CJOB.com. For Mr. Furness, don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. How are you feeling as we approach a third year of the pandemic? Anxious, fatigued, depressed, or I'm good? Cast your vote, cjob.com. And our health series is presented by Body Measure. A northern Manitoban hospital is reopening today after staff shortages forced it to close its doors last month. Yeah, so it was December 27th that Leaf Rapids Health Centre shut its doors because they just didn't have enough people to keep things running. As Brett said, the centre is reopening today, but there are those who are wondering, you know, just how long will this last because the situation there is tenuous, has been for years. And in fact, Greg, over the weekend, the Assembly of Manitoba Chiefs that Grand Chief Arlen Dumas said the situation in Leaf Rapids really just shows how inadequate care is in the north with a lot of inequities there. Well, let's try and get uh, some more details on that assertion. Darlene Jackson is the president of the Manitoba Nurses Union. Darlene joins us now on the start. Good morning, Darlene. Good morning. Let's start with that situation in Leaf Rapids. Uh, You know, Chief Dumas saying that this has been a long-term issue up north. Staffing issues, has that been a concern for a long time? And has COVID just exacerbated that? Yes. Um, it has certainly has been uh, Leaf Rapids and some of the smaller uh, northern facilities have been uh, it's been very challenging staffing them uh, for, for a very long time. 
Um, and I'm not sure it's COVID that has uh, exacerbated that. I think uh, it's certainly shone a light on it. I would say the fact that we are in a critical nursing shortage all over this province uh, and the north seems to be harder hit is, uh, is for sure showing up right now. Darlene, you mentioned other communities have dealt with this. Gillum is one of them. They had struggles uh, last year at one point. What are nurses telling you? Is it about just getting nurses up there? I know there's an overall shortage, but I'm wondering if there's an issue with pay. Is there northern allowance, retention in some of those communities? Obviously a challenge they might go but not stay for long. So what are the nurses saying to you? Uh, it, well, it is a challenge getting uh, getting nurses to go to the north. Uh, there is a retention um, allowance that's paid in northern Manitoba, and uh, that was negotiated uh, with Manitoba Nurses Union uh, quite a few years ago. And it was adequate uh, at the time, but of course things have changed, and uh, you know the economy has changed, so it doesn't appear as if it's adequate uh, at this point enough to draw new nurses or to retain nurses in those uh, facilities. So what can we do to improve the situation? Well, I, I, I think uh, the northern uh, shortages are, are just a, a symptom of what's happening all over this province. It's, it's, uh, we're in a critical nursing shortage. The pandemic has caused that to be, uh, you know, to certainly shine in this province and show the public that we are in a nursing shortage. So I think, I think the first thing this uh, government and these employers need to do is do everything they can to retain the staff they have because it's, it's basically the nursing staff that they have right now that are, you know, sort of gluing the system together in those facilities. So I think that's of utmost important, of importance. I think it's also important that they start looking at ways that they can draw new nurses uh, to northern Manitoba, and how do you retain those nurses when they get there? Because uh, you know, recruiting someone new is 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 great, but if you can't retain them when they get there, you basically wasted your money. So I think we need to start looking at ways to uh, manage that in northern Manitoba. Good people, hard to find, tougher to keep. Give us an example of what that looks like. Say working in Leaf Rapids, do I move there permanently, Darlene? If I do, what sort of accommodation can I expect? Like, can you paint a picture for what it's like for a nurse to to commit to, to working up north? Well, I think, uh, it, yeah, you have to move there. If, if you're going to work in the public system, uh, you, you have to move there. I know the employer right now is looking at ways of, uh, of having nurses maybe reside in a different area and travel in and out. The problem with the north is that it's all about the geography. So uh, in southern Manitoba, you can you know, very quickly go between facilities um, or small towns in 20 minutes, you know, 15 minutes in some uh, areas. However, in northern Manitoba, geography plays a huge part in this. Because uh, many facilities, if you live in Thompson, you're four hours away from your facility on roads that are not optimum, by the way. There's, you know, no bus service. Uh, there's very few flights uh, throughout the north into these facilities. So uh, if you're going to travel, it's uh, either incredibly long distances or you have to reside in a community. At the end of the day, in these communities, there are people who are not getting the care they need just by the very nature of where they live, Darlene. And so what would you say to them? Because, you know, they might be making two, three, four-hour drives to the next 
nearest hospital. It's one thing if you're not feeling well. It's another if you're in a, in a real emergency. So this isn't just about retaining nurses. This is just this is this is about Manitobans paying the same taxes as I do and not getting the same level of care. You are absolutely correct. That is this health center in Leap Rapids, very similar to the Lynn Lake Hospital, where there's you know significant staffing issues. There's significant staffing issues in uh, Gillum. These these facilities play an incredibly important role in those communities. They are the only health care available in the home community. And if you can't access those, uh, travel is is necessary. And as I say, for geography in the north, travel to another facility, traveling into Thompson, maybe four hours. So it's, it's so important to keep these facilities open to ensure that the community is, uh, has access to uh, health care. Darlene Jackson, president of the Manitoba Nurses Union, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Darlene, thank you very much. We appreciate this. Thank you. The Health Sciences Center set a lofty goal to raise $203,000 on Friday, money to make good healthcare better, better healthcare best, and to create more opportunities for research and for healthcare options, which may or may not yet live in Manitoba, Laurent. So the funds raised, they also go to making sure our frontline healthcare workers have all they need during this pandemic and hopefully beyond. Jonathan Lyon is president and CEO of the Health Sciences Centre Foundation. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning. Okay, so let's do the numbers, the totals. We love to hear about it. Where did they end up in the Radiothon? Well, well as Greg said, we had a target of 203,000 and uh, Manitobans were, again, very generous, as also noted, and we were, we're going to end up over $212,000. Bravo. Yes. Congratulations to you and thank you to, to Manitobans. John, I've spoken in general terms about the funds raised and where they end up. Can you give us a couple of concrete examples for us to sort of uh, celebrate? Yeah, invariably, I mean, w- you know, what we do with uh, foundation uh, dollars and the generosity of Manitobans is invest money in frontline health services uh, and research at HSC. So on, on, on the other day, on Friday, got it. Seems like a while ago, you know, we gave examples of, you know, Dr. Shaley Bolton, uh, who is on, who works with the mental health department funding research. So every year we fund through the uh, Radiothon proceeds, um, a portion of them to uh, to fund research at HSC. So we spend $400,000 investing in researchers uh, who can then take their work and then apply it clinically at HSC because HSC is, of course, a, clinic, a, a training hospital as well. So we do things like that. We're continuing to fund uh, through COVID-19 uh, frontline support. So as recently as a few weeks ago, in discussion with the uh, folks in the ICU department, we're funding new equipment to support them. And of course, we're still seeing the surge with Omicron and uh, and patient supports required there. We're funding you know, $25,000 a month to keep uh, computer access and televisions available for the over 500 patients in HSC in certain wards so that they can, uh, you know, because there's visitor restrictions because of the pandemic or those sorts of things. And then there's larger projects that we fund with proceeds, including our urology project, which is going to take pressure off operating rooms and allow Manitobans to get quicker, more timely access to urologic care. So there's a litany of things that we fund. The need is 
uh, increasing and significant, and uh, the generosity of Manitobans remains the same as well. Radiothons like yours, uh, a lot of work goes into them. It's not just as simple as, hey, call this number, uh, we'll pick a date, and then this is the phone number, and Manitoba, ready, set, go. You know, like a lot of people have to come together uh, to make it a success. So what can you say about how Manitobans and Manitoba businesses work together to make events like this a success? Yeah, this is uh, a great point. We're very fortunate to have uh, not just philanthropic individuals, but businesses in Manitoba who continually step up support, like our presenting sponsor, Merrick Homes, uh, the Johnson Group, Wawanisa Insurance, Arbor Memorial, and Access Credit Union. We're also uh, providing matching gift opportunities up to 48000 between the uh, four of them, and Merrick Homes is our presenting sponsor. It has been for a number of years. So that's just an example of some of them. You know, the work has been going on for months. We do pre-calling to uh, uh, supporters as well. Zoom phone uh, provides pre-calling support. So just an example of some of the businesses that continue to support our foundation and support healthcare and support Manitobans through their generosity. John, every time I, I turn around, it feels like there's a new building under construction at HSC. What's what's the latest? What can we be watching for over the next couple of years? Yeah, in the uh, you know in early January, we announced that we're going to tender to build the Manitoba Urologic Center, which will be a leading urologic center, consolidated care that will allow the ten thousand Manitobans a year who are, who come to HSC for uh, prostate, kidney stone, and bladder cancer issue, uh, issues to be treated in the former woman's hospital. We're uh, uh, renovating uh, space there to create more capacity. So there's going to be greater procedure rooms. There's going to be uh, greater clinic rooms so that there's a higher throughput. Right now we have a procedure called a TERP, uh, transurethral resection uh, that uh, men undertake and the wait list is over a year right now and when we're up and this clinic is operational we're going to be able to take that down to days and weeks so again uh, providing tomorrow's health care today is what investments through the hsc foundation uh, allow us to do for the care of manitobans well, we thank you so much for joining us this morning, and congratulations on another wildly successful event, and uh, we look forward to seeing, you know, further success down the road. Thank you, and we appreciate CJOBs and your support uh, as well. It's been incredible over the years, and including uh, up to the Radiothon in this morning. So thank you. Have a great day, and stay warm. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Coming up in our next segment, we are going to speak with Global's Marnie Blunt, who is in the United States, uh, where a man is scheduled to appear in court today linked to the deaths of four people at the border. Um, But right now, we want to talk about what was an absolutely incredible weekend of NFL playoff action. Yes, and you know, let me say up front here, it is possible to enjoy Canadian Football League action and the NFL. You can love both. It is possible. Four games decided by a total of 15 points, each by a walk-off play. The first three were field goals on the last play of regulation time. And then last night in the divisional playoff finale, an overtime game set up by 25 points scored in the final minute 54 of the fourth quarter. As Matt Dunnigan said on Twitter last night, watching the NFL AFC divisional game 
and a CFL game broke out. The Kansas City Chiefs advance with a 42-36 win at home over the Buffalo Bills. Bob Irving joins us now. And Bob, nobody's going to argue with the drama and excitement attached to this weekend's game, but the NFL's overtime rules, which ultimately meant the Bills' offense never saw the field, has many people, including yourself, looking for a change, maybe something more CFL-like. Well, I've always thought this NFL overtime rule, Greg, was was flawed. Uh, the game, by the way, was sensational. A lot of people who watch the NFL all the time are calling it one of the greatest playoff games in the history of the league as Kansas City beat Buffalo in overtime. But when they go to overtime in the NFL, whoever wins the coin toss has a huge advantage and often wins the game. And so Kansas City won the coin toss. And they drove down, scored a touchdown, end of the game. Uh, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills don't get a chance to answer back. And I've always thought this is totally flawed. It's unfair. And you could argue, and I know people do argue, well, Buffalo could have stopped them. But at this point in the game, Buffalo's defense is exhausted. They have nothing left because of the way the game was played out. And, I mean, if Buffalo had won the toss, we'll never know. My guess is they would have driven down, scored a touchdown, and won the game, and Kansas City wouldn't have had a chance to answer back. So, I don't know. They'll talk about it again this offseason in the NFL about changing this rule. It just, to me, it's grossly unfair. It really is. If you win the toss, yes, of course, the team you're playing against does have a chance to stop you and then get the ball themselves. But there's a huge advantage to the team winning the toss. And in this case, it was Kansas City. But give Kansas City credit. I mean, they were down three with 13 seconds left. And they somehow got into field goal position to send the game to overtime. It was a phenomenal ending. But that overtime rule, man, oh, man, it just, uh, to me, it's stupid. It's just stupid. But the NFL has this arrogance that, uh, you know, everything they do is right and nothing they do is wrong. And so they won't change it. Well, we'll see if they'll change it this offseason. And, Bob, just so I'm understanding it right, if you win the toss and you get a field goal, the other team has a chance Right. If you score a touchdown, then right. the game is over. It's a field goal, then the other team does get the ball. But, uh, you know, it's still, to me, it's still grossly unfair that one team, one team gets a chance to go down and score a touchdown. The other doesn't mm-hmm. if that first team does. And, again, the argument against changing the rule is that Buffalo's defense could have stopped it, and that would have changed everything. I just don't go along with that. I just think it's uh, it's just unfair and it's not right. So it was an exciting overtime at least to watch. And the Winnipeg Jets, of course, also found themselves in overtime, Bob, and yeah. eventually a shootout losing to Pitt- Pittsburgh 3-2. They surrendered a two-gold lead uh, against Pittsburgh, which hasn't lost a home game since last November. And they come home from this four-game road trip with just two out of a possible eight points, which is not a good statistic there. The Jets are three points out of a wild card spot. Uh, uh, the time is now. Like, There's not much room left to maneuver here to get them back in this. Well, yesterday's effort, I think, Loren, was their best of this road trip, and give them credit for that. I think that's a good sign. Uh, Blake Wheeler's back in the lineup and had a goal and an assist, so that's another positive sign. They only got two of the eight points, and as Kelly Moore said in his comments earlier this morning, they're kind of wallowing in mediocrity right now. They just can't seem to get anything going on a consistent basis that is good. Uh, They get Florida in here tomorrow night, one of the top teams in the NHL. There is still half a season left, though, Loren, so I wouldn't throw in the towel on the Jets just yet. You know, I think most of us still feel they're a talented enough team to make the playoffs, 
but they've got to get something going. They've got to improve their special teams. Uh, you know, there's so many things they have to do more consistently if they're going to get on any kind of a streak that puts them in a real favorable position. So we'll just have to, as I say, I, I won't throw in the towel on them yet. There's still a lot of season left to go, uh, and we'll just see what they can do now in this next little while before they get this whack of home games in February that sh- should serve them in good stead, uh, providing they can put some people in the stands. And that's another question that hovers over them and every team in Canada. Moving from the Jets to the Blue Bombers, uh, Blue and Gold continue to reassemble the core of their back-to-back championship seasons, Bob, defending most outstanding defensive player of the year. Adam Big Hill is back. The league's most outstanding player, Zach Caleros, returns as reportedly the top-paid player in the league. And the top offensive lineman in the league, Stanley Bryant, is back. Some uh, pretty impressive stuff from general manager Kyle Walters. That's a nice trifecta last week, Big Hill, Calaris, and Stanley Bryant. And, they, of course, they've signed a lot of their, re-signed a lot of their key players. Uh, Kyle Walters is doing a terrific job. I made a comment on Twitter that it's, it's a little easier for Kyle or whoever the GM might be to get these players back because they all love being here and they all want to be part of this great thing they've got going. They've won two great cups in a row. So it's a little bit easier to to talk them into returning and maybe for a little bit less than market value because of this incredible culture that's been created here by Mike O'Shea and his coaching staff. Now, there's still some big ones left. Uh, Kenny Lawler, they'd love to get back. He's 28. He's had some NFL workouts. His age, I think, will work against him in the NFL. Brandon Alexander, Rashid Bailey, Steve Richardson, Michael Couture, and then what of Andrew Harris? You know, that's one of the questions that, it still remains to be answered, Rita, the 2022 season for the Blue Bombers. Will Andrew Harris be part of that? So a lot of great work has been done so far, and there's still some to go for the Bombers. Bob Irving Bob. joins us every Monday just after Global News at 8.30 to chat about sports. Bob, we appreciate it. Hey, have a great day, everybody. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, a reminder that in our next segment, we have a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza to give away based on the stuff that you watch that makes you anxious. Like that football game last night between Buffalo and Kansas City, the last two minutes were nerve-wracking. So what do you watch that makes you nervous? Whether it's something on television or maybe it's something from real life, this listener says what makes them anxious uh, GMAC, and you had you had uh, you called it something in response. Connor Hellebuck, Winnipeg Jets goalie. Connor Hellebuck leaving the crease to play the puck. What did you call it? Uh, Bob Essenza. Bob Essenza uh, uh, imitation, essentially. Yes. From uh, back in the back in the days of Bob Essenza, goalie Bob used to wander around. Was not good at all at handling the puck. And uh, would create some problems for himself, much like Connor Hellebuck did yesterday. So uh, Jackie has a has a propensity to uh, scream at the TV whenever Helly leaves the the goal crease. <laughs> Get back in your net! <laughs> and, and she's she's got me she's got me yelling the same thing lately. So especially yesterday afternoon. So we'll pick our winning text in our next segment. Last chance to get in, 204-780-6868. Now, the Global News and CJOB Health Series, presented by Body Measure. 
So over the next two weeks, we are making a concerted effort to bring you stories which will focus on mental wellness and long-term stress, carrying that long-term stress with you. At 7.05, we heard from Skylar Peters talking about physical activity and how it can help your mental wellness. And we want to bring awareness and perhaps help you find some strategies to manage those aspects of our overall well-being. Yeah, because we know there's so many people who are really feeling the blues right now. It might be just because it's the time of year, the winter or the cold. It might be because of the pandemic. It might be things lingering pre-pandemic. Angus Reid had a poll out this morning just in the fact that, you know, a growing number of Canadians are feeling that they're struggling with their mental health. And you mentioned Skylar Peters' report that we played at 7. Well, we just wanted to give you a little... Uh, teaser chunk of that brad just to have a sense of what he was talking about because he was really trying to encourage people through the experts about getting your body moving many people already know physical health is key to maintaining mental well-being but dealing with what we once thought would be a short-term interruption for nearly two years now challenges even the most consistent for people like Todd Duhamel, going to the gym has never been his cup of tea. And the University of Manitoba kinesiology professor says his physical wellness doesn't involve a gym membership, treadmills, or dumbbells. What I do like to do is, is walking outside with my kids or standing at the hockey arena while I coach or skating on the ice, teaching kids how to shoot pucks. The aforementioned Todd Duhamel is our guest now on The Start. Good morning, Todd. Hi, how are you today? Do, doing well. Great to hear your voice. Todd is Associate Dean of Health Sciences, Faculty of Graduate Studies. He's also Professor of Faculty of Kinesiology and Recreation Management at the University of Manitoba. In addition, he is a researcher at the Institute of Cardiovascular Sciences at the Albrechtson Research Centre at St. Boniface Hospital. And we just played a little bit of your discussion with Skylar Todd and just talk about the micro-exercises we might be missing out on these days. Yeah, it's an interesting one. So normally when we go into work, like if you're working at home right now, um, you might be missing something as simple as parking your car and walking into the office. If that's a couple hundred meters, a little bit further, that's exercise. Sometimes taking a break from your desk and walking to the coffee shop, just five minute break walking somewhere uh, can be meaningful exercise. There's a lot of research showing that now you don't need to go and be, be exercising 60 minutes a day. That's really good. If you can, you should do that. But just moving around, that movement is really important too. I've been, uh, it's Brett here, Todd. I've been meaning to get uh, a gym membership for a while. I had one before the pandemic started and then the pandemic hit and then I just canceled it because, you know, they were open, they were closed, they were open, they were closed. And I, but, but I've been meaning to get back into it. But uh, one of the things that pretty much the only thing that I have in terms of exercise uh, that I've made sure to keep doing is walking. You know, I, I take a cab to work in the morning and and I walk home uh, to Osborne Village. And, you know, sometimes the, those walks aren't particularly great or I'm just sort of dragging my feet a little bit while I'm walking home because I'm tired. So then I'll try to at some point in the day actually go out and go for a walk, especially now that the river trail is open. So like I find... Even that exercise makes a huge difference for my both my physical and my mental health. So is the type of movement we need to feel better physically and mentally the same for everyone? Well, if you have fun, you're more likely to do it. So whatever you enjoy doing, do more of that. That's the best advice I can give you. If you like going to the gym, go back to it. Um, but uh, the movement 
is an important part. Some people really enjoy walking um, partly because they're alone or maybe they like doing it with a friend and maybe it's the friendship that matters. Um, there's evidence showing that if you do higher intensity exercise that there's more endorphins and um, chemicals in the brain that are released that actually make you feel better. Um, so there's models out there like high intensity interval training, but what that looks like is totally different between Olympic athletes who we think of when we think of high intensity exercise, or if you're an older adult um, that likes dancing, sometimes putting on music for three minutes and just dancing like nobody's watching is a great way to get your, your heart pumping and that actually release chemicals from your muscles that make the rest of your body grow healthy. A lot of people, I think particularly this time of year, whether it's because of those dreaded New Year's resolutions or what have you, Todd, will focus on the scale, the number on the scale, or maybe how their genes fit or that weight loss. But what about just the overall impact on warning, warding off other chronic diseases? Because we're sitting so much or not moving enough. If we just get going, how can we help ourselves with some of those diseases? Yeah, it's going to be one of the really long-term effects of the pandemic is people are sitting at home more often and not going out because of the public health uh, bubbles that we have. And we have to really think about heart disease, mental health, and other things like that. So one of the best things you can do is break up your sitting. If you're going to be indoors for an extended long period of time working at home alone, it's important that you actually get up and go out and get some sunlight. Get out and go get a coffee. Go say hello to a friend. If you do those things, there's a lot of social benefits to it that you'll benefit from, as well as the exercise of walking up and down your stairs, going outside and having to shovel a little bit. Nobody likes the weather in January when it's like this, where it's six weeks of, of bloody cold. But if you get out and you move and you see people, you're going to be a lot better off in the long run. And that'll actually reduce chronic disease risk. It should improve your blood pressure. It'll improve your mental health if you have anxiety or signs of depressions or other things. There's a lot of um, big clinical trials now that are showing that there's improvements in these. And then when we do reviews of all the literature, there's evidence showing that anxiety, depression, and just loneliness can all be affected or improved by physical activity. Just get out and move. If you like moving with um, high intensity, do it. If you just like walking and talking with people, do it. Those are all good things. Just try to get your breathing a little bit heavier and your heart pump a little harder and you'll get health benefits from it. Todd, uh, just uh, less than a minute here, but with regard to uh, research surrounding our movement, uh, kinesiology and our physical and mental health, obviously some, some great work being done. And we always like to talk about, at least I do when I visit with you, the idea of prehabilitation for cardiovascular patients. Like you go back 25, 30 years, the idea of telling someone waiting for cardiac surgery to go to the gym every day while they're waiting for that surgery, I think you might have been laughed at for suggesting such a thing back then. Yeah, at one point, um, doing exercise after a heart attack was considered bad, um, but that changed back in the 40s, and it probably took a long time uh, to really get going. So our work at St. Bonas Hospital Research Center has really shown that it's safe to get people before their heart surgery to move more. Now, you want to do that in a safe way. You want to be able to walk. Um, going to places like the Refit Center, the Wellness Institute, we've partnered with to actually get people that are on the um, cardiac surgery wait list to go there. And we were leading the country for one of the first studies looking at this. And um, we took a small donation of $5,000, and we turned that into a major clinical trial where Winnipeg was leading that work. And what we've shown is, is that if you exercise before um, surgery, that it can actually improve some of your health outcomes after surgery. So you get out of hospital a little bit sooner. Um, just that ability to walk a little bit more before surgery means you're a little bit more robust. You're better prepared for surgery. So things like that. So even if you're considered sick, 
there's really good benefits just to moving more over the next two weeks. And then that actually could make you better for surgery later. And um, if you get out of hospital sooner, that's a huge thing because nobody likes being in the hospitals, particularly right now. Todd Duhamel, Associate Dean of Health Sciences at the University of Manitoba, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Todd, thank you very much for this. Thanks for the time, guys. Love your show. What makes you anxious when you watch it? Football game last night, Kansas City-Buffalo, one of the most insane football contests I've ever seen. The last two minutes were bonkers, and I was a nervous wreck. So we're asking you, what makes you nervous when you watch it? And it doesn't have to be sports. It could be something else. And uh, so here's what we'll do. Greg, you'll read the first one, the third one. Lorenz going to read the winner. I'll take the second one. And this first one has to do with something I think we can mostly all agree on, and that has to do with our roads. Driving Winnipeg streets in the winter. Nothing makes me more anxious. Nothing. Now, that's not mine. That's not my point of view. That's from one of our listeners at 204-780-6868. Yeah, the roads are slippery over the weekend there. They got polished something fierce. Rhonda says, good morning. My anxious button is trying not to peek at the rice when I'm waiting for it. Yes. <laughs> that is hard. Just, yeah. It's very hard to walk away from that. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've ruined uh, some rice before because I'm impatient. Greg, what what's next? Uh, Sheila says, uh, this is pretty plain and simple. If you're a sports fan, I am a Leafs fan. <laughs> Need I say more? That's from Sheila. Jesse. <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs, very good at uh, creating anxiety for their fans. Jesse is our winner, Loren. Yeah, we shared this earlier this morning, but it was such a funny story. Jesse said, great question. I really don't get that queasy when I watch things, or so I thought. I work as a crane operator, and so I have a good stomach and stay calm. Every once in a while, someone in our lunchroom, or heaven forbid, while I'm waiting in the crane, will show me a video of a crane tipping over. <laughs> like a deer in the headlights, I know what's probably going to happen, but it's hard to look away, and then usually ends up with me yelling, what's wrong with you? You really want me thinking about that right now? And they laugh at me for being such a sissy. He also says he loves the nature shows. The best he's seen is one narrated by Snoop Dogg, which is suspenseful and funny. But Jesse, thank you for your text. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for putting up with those coworkers who I said were mean, but he said it's all in good fun. So we'll bring some fun to Jesse. And I just Googled Snoop Dogg uh, nature show, and <laughs> it looks like it's called Plizanet Earth with Snoop Dogg, <laughs> the iguana versus the snakes. <laughs> it looks like it's That's a recurring so bit so on uh, Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> so I'll have to look up, look up some of this. Mackling McGarry McNabb, question of the day at cjob.com. For Mr. Furness, don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. 680 CJOB and Global News have launched a two-week series focusing on mental health. How are you feeling as we approach a third year of the pandemic? And so far at cjob.com, we've got 9% who say anxious, 29% who say fatigued, 18% say depressed, and 44% say I'm good. So you can cast your vote at cjob.com. We've also put that up on Twitter at 680 cjob. And hey, this morning, 
We were, as part of the series, we were discussing the value of exercise and movement for our state of mind, for our mental health as a way of dealing with stress. And in this last half hour of the start, we want to discuss exercise with the goal of supporting some very special athletes. So, Brett, a longtime friend of mine, a former co-worker in the way back in the early 1990s, has a son whose exploits I've been following for many years on Sophia. Greg you know Griffiths is... Sorry, Greg, I got to interrupt for a second. I'm terribly sorry to cut you off, but uh, your connection's doing that... that, um, that Long deep connection. The, okay, I'll step out for 20 seconds or less. Okay, yeah. Just uh, in case you're just tuning in for the first time in a while, Greg's working from home, and his uh, his digital connection sometimes goes wonky. And uh, then he his voice... I mean... It, to be fair, I think his voice sounds pretty cool like that. But uh, yeah, that's uh, well, he can get that straightened out. So, uh, but we can introduce you to one of Greg's friends, whose name is also Greg. Greg Griffiths is Greg's friend, and uh, his son's name is Brett. So, couple uh, tie-ins, eh, my Gary? Oh, Not there bad. you go. You're back. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that, Greg and Brett. Are you sure that didn't feed the the need to do this uh, segment there, Greg? Well, maybe a little bit, but like I said, I've been a fan of of Brett's and what he's been doing in Special Olympics for a long, long time via social uh, media. So we want to introduce you to Brett now. Brett is a Special Olympian. He's competed in a number of sports over the years, but he spends his time focusing now on curling. Good morning, Brett. Good morning. As I just said, I'm a big fan of yours. I'm a big fan of your dad. So thanks for taking some time with us today. Why is Special Olympics so important to you? Special Olympics is important to me because it has allowed me to gain confidence. I've made so many lifelong friends through Special Olympics, and it's allowed me to compete on uh, on my at my own level, which is a really important and really awesome thing for me. And Brett's papa is Tom Creighton. We say good morning to you, Tom. Morning, Greg. So what's it like... Tom, to see your grandson excel and do something that he loves so much. It's pretty inspirational, I'll tell you. <clears throat> I think uh, um, Brett, as you probably are well aware, is a uh, spokesperson for Special Olympics Manitoba. And I think he's a, a shining example of the benefits of the kind of programs that, uh, that they provide for, uh, for people. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed by uh, what, what uh, Brett's been able to accomplish. What have you seen over the years, Tom, in terms of uh, Brett's development as an athlete? Um, <laughs> he's getting better and better, I'll tell you. <clears throat> I mean, uh, I'm sure you're aware of the fact that a couple of years ago he represented Manitoba in the, uh, in the uh, Canadian Curling Championships for uh, Special Olympics. So uh, his skill level, no doubt, has improved over the years, and I expect will continue to improve. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, there's a special birthday coming up for you, Tom. What are you doing to celebrate? Well, rumor has it I turn 80th this year, and in uh, to, to celebrate my birthday, I'm I'm doing a uh, virtual walk across Canada from Vancouver to uh, to Halifax, and uh, to attempt to raise a hundred thousand dollars for Special Olympics. And uh, the walk started on about 5 a.m. on uh, January the first, and I checked this morning. I'm about halfway between Vancouver and the Alberta border. I need to average about 230 miles a, uh, a month in order to get to Halifax before the end of the year. 
Now, I did that kind of uh, distance last year, so barring a health concern, it shouldn't be a problem doing it this year. But, uh, it, you know, it, it takes... I walk six days a week, um, nine to ten miles a uh, a day, so it, uh, it it takes a level of commitment to do it. But with the motivation of now being able to uh, to raise uh, funds for Special Olympics, that uh, that helps to get me out of bed even earlier in the morning. Brett, it's uh, Brett McGarry here. So, Brett, how does it feel for you to see your papa do this for you and other athletes? Um, it's pretty amazing, especially because he's turning eighty. So, I mean, it's kind of, it's very impressive that he's doing this at the age of 80. And I just love that my family is supporting me and all my friends at Special Olympics and helping raise money for Special Olympics so we can continue to do what we love, and that is to curl. Brett, that's a pretty cool experience. Uh, Very few people in their lifetime, if ever, get to wear the buffalo on their back representing Manitoba at a curling event. That puts you in pretty elite company. How proud are you of that? Uh, it's definitely one of my proudest moments for sure. Um, I'll never forget the feeling of putting on that jacket for the first time. It was just inspiring and just thinking about all the other curlers and just any athletes gotten to wear it before. I just felt honored and hopefully one day I'll get to do it again. Tom, this is a, a lofty goal in terms of the distance that you need to walk and you know, you're only human, and sometimes we all sort of, we, we, we think, okay, I know i got to do this exercise, but I really don't want to do it today. So do you ever find yourself sort of crashing into that wall? And, and if so, what do you do to, to break through it? No, I guess I'm one of the fortunate ones that I never have. <clears throat> I've uh, been involved in sports all my life. I, I was a runner for, I don't know, over 30 years gave me great cardiovascular, also gave me arthritis in both feet, which uh, means I can't run anymore, but uh, walking still gives me that uh, that release and that uh, sense of accomplishment. So I'm an early morning person. I'm usually out of bed by about uh, 3.30 in the morning. I'm usually starting my walk around you know, sometime before 5 and run till about uh, 7.30. So it's, it's a good part of my day. If I don't do it, I feel guilty. So <laughs> that's part of the motivation to get out of bed in the morning. Well, I want to ask Brett this similar question. How do you stay motivated? The pandemic's been pretty tough on a lot of us. It's it's shut down uh, some of the opportunities we've had to either be with our friends or our teammates and those that inspire us. Have you managed to to keep busy, Brett? Yeah, so I do a lot of video chats with my friends, so that definitely helps. And Special Olympics has been really good through the pandemic and offering a lot of virtual exercise programs, so I have fun participating in those. And also, obviously, with my papa doing this walk, it's been giving me motivation to exercise more because if my 80-year-old grandpa can do it, so can I. (laughs) So, Tom, then how do we uh, participate in this? If we want to to follow your efforts, make a donation, what do we do? It's uh, nice and simple. You go to uh, our website that uh, has been set up by Special Olympics. Website address is www.com papaswalk.ca and there's no apostrophe in the uh, in the Papa S and uh, if anyone wants to to contact me directly about either uh, corporate sponsorship or seeing what uh, corporate sponsorship can actually uh, do to benefit uh, their business they can reach me uh, directly at uh, 204-229-1775 or by email at papaswalk at mtsmail.ca and I'd love to hear from people.
Now, Tom, this is a lofty goal in terms of the kilometers walk 4434. Yep. $100,000 is your goal. You've already um, you've already done some serious uh, work in terms of putting a dent in that number. Well, um, not as much of a dent in the in the uh, in the distance as in the dollar amount. But uh, the last time I checked this morning, we were just a couple of dollars under twenty thousand, hoping to hit twenty five thousand by the end of uh, January. So off to a good start, uh, but we need to to keep it going. Well, gentlemen, we thank you both for joining us. We very much appreciate this. And this is really great what you're doing. And, um, hey, enjoy the journey, and, and hopefully you hit that $100,000 mark. I hope we do, and I very much appreciate the, uh, the ability to, to tell your listeners about it. Yes, thank you for having us. Tom Creighton joining us live on 680 CJOB alongside his grandson, uh, Brett uh, Griffiths, joining us as well on the start. And we are going to give you that website once again. It is papaswalk.ca. And they are trying to make their way to $100,000. And again, if you want to contact Tom directly, it's papaswalk at mtsmail.ca. Uh, 4,400 kilometers, GMAC. Um, <laughs> wow. I'm so impressed. And, and you know, the whole connection between grandfathers, grandmothers, and their grandkids, you know, grandparents, is such an incredible relationship. Not all of us have been fortunate enough to have that relationship. And to see Tom doing what he's doing for Brett and for Brett to do what he does in Special Olympics, it's just a wonderful conversation a wonderful story on so many levels so uh uh greg uh, shout out to you thanks for reaching out my brother and uh hopefully we can we can make a dent in this uh big number hundred thousand dollars for papa's walk hey thanks for listening to the start podcast we are available on apple podcast google podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts subscribe now and never miss an episode and if you like what you hear rate the show tell us what you think And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon. 911.